Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. My name is Bryant Lee, pastor here. Um, This is a big day uh, because we get to gather as a church. It's a big day because it's the NFC Championship game for the Bucks, and so we're praying hard for that. Um, and I say it every week, and I mean it. So, um, 3:05 today. Um, the other thing, real quick, um, on a serious note, a church um, our size or as large as we are, just in terms of like you don't know everybody. Um, obviously, I just want to mention uh, we have so many incredible people that serve year-round and love Jesus and um, are a vital part of what we do. And just two days ago on Friday, uh, Dan Long went home to be with Jesus um, suddenly. And Dan was a, a huge part of our gathering, led a, a community group, um, was a part of so many things on our photography team, loved Jesus, incredible, incredible man. So I mentioned that because you don't know everybody, but I know he was such a large part of our gathering. Many of you do know him, his relationship with Jesus, his testimony, um, his leadership, absolutely incredible. So I wanted to ask you to pray uh, for Deb, his wife, and so many others who have been influenced by him during this time. And like our hope is he's healthier and whole than ever before, but it doesn't remove the sting of death and um the fact that we wait for that day, but that day is not yet. So if you would just pray for them and pray for Deb, that would be amazing. In fact, I just wanna do that real quick and then we're gonna dive into the next part of our series. Would you just pray with me? Jesus, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that you are the ultimate healer. You're a redeemer, reconciler. You're in control of all things and we rest in all of that. We rest in the fact that you're good and you're loving. And Lord, I thank you for Dan. I thank you for his leadership, his relationship with you. I thank you for the influence that he leaves in his wake and even the incredible um, just influence he had on our gathering and our movement. And I just pray today for Deb. I pray for peace. I pray for comfort. I pray for you to encourage her in the midst of this grief and for many others who are impacted uh, in a really significant way. And I just, again, thank you for his life and for his testimony. And we pray all of this in your incredible name, the name of Jesus, amen. All right, you guys ready to dive into part three of To Hell With Normal? So to catch you up, here's what we've been talking about is basically like there's this idea of normal in our culture and normal doesn't work. Like normal hasn't worked in a long time. And so before we start talking about, man, I just wanna return to normal, which I get that, you have to maybe redefine what normal is. And here's what I mean by normal and what we've said the last couple of weeks. Like normal in our culture could be characterized as overwhelmed, busy, distracted, anxious, social media addicted, always in a hurry, and we can't seem to stop. And of course, like this last year will cause anxiety levels to go up. But as we've said, even before last year, anxiety levels in our country rose 39% year over year. Like that's an emotional epidemic. And so like something is like not right. Something is off the rails when we just see that as just normal and it's in every arena of life. It doesn't matter if you're single, you're in college, you're retired, you're raising kids. It's pretty much wherever you are, you ask somebody how they're doing, they're like, I'm busy. And this is what Moses said. I love this um, in Psalm. He said, God, teach me to number my days so that I might be able to gain a heart of wisdom. And what he meant by that is just this, like help me to understand and have clarity around how, how short life is and then help me to get the kind of wisdom that everybody gets at the end of their life and go ahead and reach that into today and live with that wisdom. Because here's the reality, everybody at the end of their life has crystal clear, um, just clarity on what they should have done, what they shouldn't have done, what they should have prioritized. Moses is like, I don't wanna wait for that. I wanna live like that today. I wanna have the awareness to understand that there is a limited amount of time and I wanna have the wisdom to live as if life is connected, cause and effect, sow and reap. What I do today is gonna influence me tomorrow. And as we said throughout this series, until you create awareness that leads to wisdom, you're never gonna be able to change. And here's the thing about it is, in our hurry hustle culture, the first thing to go is awareness because awareness requires time and space and margin. And in a lot of cases, we don't really even have awareness about where we are. 
about where we're headed, about what's going on around us. And maybe the most tragic, we don't have any awareness of our relationship with God. And there's this struggle of like, God, where are you at? And the reality is God hasn't gone anywhere, but we are so busy and there's so much white noise and there's so much hurry. We can't really hear from God. So here's the huge questions we said in this series that you have to ask, I think, and you have to create awareness around. And the first one is this, like, what is the price of my current pace? Because here's the reality for all of us in regard to our lifestyle and our schedules. There is always a price to your pace, either positively or negatively. And for a lot of us, it's on the negative side. But what's the price of my current lifestyle? Like, where is this leading me in 10 years? Like, what do I think this is doing to my, my marriage? Do I like where I'm headed in terms of my emotional health? But like, what is the price of my pace? Because there's always a price. And, and the reality is a lot of times we don't discover it soon enough until we end up in a place to go, this isn't even really what I wanted out of my life, but I didn't have the wisdom to connect the dots to recognize that my priorities today are leading me to a destination tomorrow. And then the other question last week we said is this, not only what is the price of your pace, what is propelling your pace? Meaning for a lot of us, we've never asked the question, why? Like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why do I keep forcing them into 14 activities? Why do we keep overloading our schedule? Why do we feel overextended all the time? Why am I anxious 80% of the time? Like, why are we living at this pace? And for a lot of us, if you were to honestly ask that question, like a lot of what's propelling your schedule and your pace is some identity issues of, well, I'm afraid if I don't do this, I'm not gonna matter. I'm not gonna measure up. I'm not gonna keep up. I might fall behind. I'm afraid to tell them no. And here's what we said. When you misplace your identity, you always overextend your capacity. Meaning the capacity at which you were created to run, all of a sudden, you never feel like you can ever get it all done. And for a lot of us, that's not because you're undisciplined with your schedule, it might be, but it also might be there are some identity issues that are compelling you to do things that God's never called you to do. What's the price of your pace? What is propelling your pace? Because what you give attention to today is gonna direct you tomorrow. And my hope in this series is at some point you would just get to the place to go to hell with normal. I don't care that everybody else is doing this. I don't care that everybody else feels this way. I don't care that this is just American culture or wherever you live, maybe the same for you, but I'm not gonna live that way any longer because here's what is true for us specifically as Jesus followers. The enemy wants to subtly move you in a direction that you never intended to go. You just didn't intend not to go. And it is so easy to move at the pace of normal because again, everybody's doing it. Everybody's busy. Everybody's overwhelmed. If you don't have anxiety, there's something wrong with you. And it's so easy to just move at that pace in culture and all of a sudden wake up and realize you are at a place and a destination that you never wanted to end up. And as Jesus followers, it's not that you abandon God. You just fill up a lot of things on your schedule that don't matter in regard to the race and the pace that God has called you to run at because God has a destiny and a will for your life. But the pushback for a lot of us is we just feel like, well, there's just no other options though. Like I just can't, I need more time and I can't create more time. But the issue and the answer is not more time. Like, in fact, maybe you know some people, I've got some people like this in my life that I just learned from that are a few seasons ahead of me where they have been successful because God is not against your success or achievement. They've achieved, they have a solid family. They're not perfect, nobody's perfect, but they've got a solid family. They love Jesus. And yet somehow they've been able to do it all without living at a pace where they're always overextended. They never have peace and they're, they're always in a hurry. And they have as much time as everybody else does. And somehow they figured it out in our hurry culture because they've created just enough awareness in their life to answer some of those big questions. And then they have prioritized their life around it. And that's the difference. Like, and again, you know this, like your priorities will determine your future. Your priorities will determine your future. And I say that again as a no brainer, but it is so easy to live without wisdom. And we do this a lot in church culture because we create priorities that lead us in this direction. And then we think that intention, belief and prayer are somehow gonna lead us in this direction. Priorities trump your belief system every single time. Priorities trump your prayers every single time. Priorities trump everything because you can intend and pray and believe yourself into a future that you never wanted. Your priorities are king and your priorities are going to determine your future. Jesus talks about this all throughout the New Testament. So here's the question you've got to answer. And at some level, you know this, 
But for some of us, we've never clarified at the, at the place where we are ruthless in how we tell our schedule in our lives where to go. And so here's the question, what are your priorities? Like, what are your priorities? What is most important in your life? What are the priority things in your life that are ultimately gonna direct where you go? And if you don't pay attention to them today, you need to know you are going somewhere on purpose. You need to decide where you're going. You need to decide where your schedule is leading you. And here's kind of the terrifying thing. There's a lot of people that could look into your life and look at your priorities and they could tell you where your life is headed in five years. In fact, you should find them and ask them. But all of us have really clear insight into other people and a lot of times we lack it in regard to ourselves. So what are your priorities? Here's the two categories I would put them in. This is just my language, but you have what I would call discretionary priorities and you have foundational priorities. Now here's the thing. Even as I talk about discretionary priorities, these aren't bad things. This isn't a discussion of what is good or what is bad or what is good, what is evil. This is about what is good and what is best. See, wisdom circumvents all the, can I get away with it? Is it against the law? Is it wrong? Like that's it. Wisdom doesn't ask any of those questions. Wisdom doesn't say, can I get away with this? Wisdom says, what is the best thing to do in regard to my life, my season of life and where I wanna end up with my future? So discretionary priorities are things like this, um, represented by these little rocks right here. Um, discretionary priorities are Netflix, all about it, your Netflix binging. Um, again, not bad, but at what level do you want that to take up time? Like at what level do you want that to be a priority? I mean, the last dance with MJ, I watched that in a day, but like at what level does this, one, this is um, your phone, this is how much time you spend on your phone. Um, this is checking email. This is checking weather. This is shopping on Amazon for three or four hours or whatever. Like there's a place for that. But it, at what level is that gonna enter in as your discretionary priorities? Because you have some control over that. Um, this is things like your hobbies. And like, you should have hobbies. Like you should do stuff It's good for your emotional, even spiritual health. But you've got to determine on the front end at what level is this gonna take up my life? Like whether it's gaming, um, whether it's golf, whether it's art, whether, like whatever your thing is, like what level is that gonna take up in terms of your discretionary priorities? This is the activities of your kids. All those are great. Maybe 14 is too many. Like at what level do I wanna pile this up? This is social media, which is like to hear, I think. Um, how much time am I spending on that? Like for, the, for a lot of the average person, this is crazy. They spend about 25 hours a week on social media, 25 hours a week. For many others, they will spend about seven years of their life watching TV. So these aren't necessarily, they're not good, bad, evil. This is about what are my discretionary priorities and what is most important in my life? And I have to figure that out first. And then you have what I would call foundational priorities. And these are the things that a lot of us would probably agree on represented by these big rocks. These are like my family, I want to be a foundational priority. Like I wanna have a good relationship with my kids when they get older. I want my marriage to go beyond just the it works and we just made it work. Uh, maybe, that's not a great marriage. Like I, I wanna be able to communicate with my wife. I want us to still like to be together when our kids are gone. Like I want this to be a priority. So that's one of my big rocks. Um, one of the others is um, just raising my kids and what we're doing with our activities and what should be most important with them and like getting them into community and not waiting till they're 14, but trying to do that at four. Um, this is things like your emotional and your physical health. Like that should be a foundational priority in your life. And here's the thing we never think about. Again, your priorities are determining your emotional future. So like, where am I going emotionally? Like, do I like the trajectory that I'm heading on in terms of just where I'm at emotionally? Um, a couple of the other big rocks are, uh, and this is we never think of a, as a foundational priority, but I'll tell you why in a second. Like your purchases, because this consumes a lot of your life. And I'll talk about it in a few minutes. It, there's a bigger question than just, can I afford it? There is always a time cost with everything that you do, with every purchase that you make. And you actually have to determine that in regard, not just to your budget, but your schedule. Um, foundational priorities in terms of um, your, um, your spiritual health. Like, what am I going to prioritize in regard to my relationship with God? 
about what I wanna do in terms of the church being a priority of our life, about being in a community group and doing life with other people, about spending time in the scriptures and prayer and a bunch of other things that you could stack up because all of us have great intentions. But like, at what level is this gonna show up in terms of my life? And then even your career and your education, all of that has a place in your life. Like, you've been called to achieve things. You've been called to make a difference. God's put in you a DNA that says, I wanna do something that changes the world. All of that is from your heavenly father. But you have to ask some questions about at what level is this going to take up my life? At what level is this going to be the priority of my life? So here's the thing a lot of us do. This is how we prioritize our life. And all of a sudden, we get to places to go, I'm overextended, I'm doing more than what my capacity allows, which means generally, I'm guilty a lot of times because there's things that I wanna get to that I can't. I feel overwhelmed, I feel anxious, I feel like we're always in a hurry. I'm not my best self, as we've said throughout this series. When you add some anxiety and hurry and I'm just always trying to get to the next thing, you are the worst version of yourself, is that true? And so this is how our life looks. And we get to this place to go, I just can't fit it all in. I'm working at like 125% capacity and it's not sustainable. Eventually you redline, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and I just can't do it all. And the issue is not that you need more time as we've already said, the issue is you have to be, and I like this word, ruthless in terms of the prioritization of your life, because here is the reality, and you already know this. For some of you, you're trying to undo this. If you don't do this first, somebody or something else will do it for you. You will always be pushed into somebody else's priorities, saying yes to them, feeling guilty because you don't wanna say no to them, everybody else's priorities, and you're reacting to what they want, you're reacting to every urgent circumstance of your life, everything that comes along, and you're constantly running around with your hair on fire. I'm just gonna tell you, if you are not ruthless in determining this for your life, your parenting, your marriage, where you wanna go spiritually, somebody else will do it for you. And come on, what a tragedy that you live a good portion of your life running at the pace of somebody else that doesn't even know what God has called you to. And here's the thing, most people do not do this. Just to be straight, most people won't do this because it's hard and it moves against everything in our culture. And culture is not bad, it's just the way the world works. But it is so hard because there is so much pressure at every turn in every area of our life. And I don't think there's ever been any more pressure than there is during this time that you are alive. This is hard. So a guy by the name of Paul comes along. I love his writings, writes like two thirds of the New Testament. You probably know about him, but just like recap, Paul was a high achiever, like off the charts, high achiever, brilliant man, one of the most highly educated men of his generation and was just like, just incredible in terms of what he accomplished. He was the guy that single-handedly tried to stop the Jesus movement and was pretty successful. In fact, he may have succeeded from an earthly perspective if God hadn't done something in his life. And all of a sudden, this guy who was a chief religious leader, chief Pharisee, like he was the guy, changed sides, became a Jesus follower, and then single-handedly became the greatest factor in the spread of Christianity around the Mediterranean rim and ultimately the world. The guy knew about achievement. You put him on either team, he's gonna make it happen. So this guy was the top of his industry on both sides, knows what it is to get stuff done, and yet sits down to write this brilliant insight about our life, our priorities, and our time to say, listen, everything in your life is gonna work against this. But God has something specific for you, and you've gotta determine now whether you're gonna surrender in this area of your life and whether you're gonna follow him in this way. And here's what he says in Ephesians uh, chapter five, verse 15. I love how he starts this. Dude, be careful. Like, just be careful. Like, just watch out. Be careful how you live. Come on. Your time, it's limited editions. You don't get a lot of days. You don't get to do your 20s and 30s back. Like, you're not gonna get this season back. So he's like, listen, God has a desire, a will, and a destiny for your life. And so you gotta create some space. Hey, what's the price of my current pace? What's propelling my pace? Where am I headed in regard to my life? Because what I do with my life, it matters. What I do with my priorities matters. So Paul's like, come on, be careful. Like be careful how you live, not just what you believe. Be careful how you live your life. And then he says this, not as unwise, but as wise. 
And all he's saying is everything we've already said. The wise person understands, again, I am not gonna pray my way and intend my way into a future that my priorities don't line up to. That there is sow and reap that there's cause and effect, that I'm heading somewhere today. And so I need to pay attention about where I'm heading and where I'm going because that's how wise people live their life. People who are not wise, they live disconnected. They just think I'll somehow end up there. It'll work out, it'll be fine. I can ignore this for the next five years and we'll just, we'll just make it happen. And Paul's like, that's not how the world was designed to work. So be careful and live wise. And then here's the other thing that wise people understand. This was um, unpacked brilliantly in a series called Time, but there is compounding value in right priorities. And there's compounding value in small deposits of time over time, right? Like if you miss dinner with your family one time, nothing's gonna burn, burn down. Like if you don't like prioritize one event with your kid, not that big a deal. Like if you don't, I mean, whatever the thing, you don't read the scriptures one time, like, you know, nothing's gonna be on fire. But there are small, uh, there is compounding value in small amounts of time over time. But here's the problem. We don't often connect the dots in terms of where we're heading because there is no immediate payoff when we do one thing, right? Like one date with your wife, not like, oh, my marriage is healed, it's amazing. Like that's not gonna happen. Like you do one push up, you're not getting up like I'm jacked. Like now we're on our way, like that doesn't happen. So there's no immediate payoff and there's no immediate consequence. But here's the reality that you know already as well. There is compounding value in ignoring priorities or there's compounding consequences, I should say, where all of a sudden you keep making little deposits of time over time. One's not gonna matter. There's no immediate payoff or consequence to one thing, but you do this long enough and eventually you end up in a place to go, I should have paid attention to that. We should have got into counseling. I should have talked to her more. I probably should have studied. I probably should have saved. And all of a sudden, those compounding consequence leads you to a destination where you wake up to go, it didn't seem like that big a deal at the time, but every decision and priority that I was making, it was leading me somewhere. And so he says, be very careful how you live, not as wise, but unwise. Verse 16, so that you make the most of every opportunity. Meaning, in the Greek, that you redeem the time. That you make the most of your time and your life in this little bit of breath that God's given you because the days are evil. Now, here's the thing. Here's what he's talking about by days are evil. This is where it's so subtle because evil a lot of times doesn't look like evil. Like you have an enemy who is smart. He knows what he's doing. He knows that he cannot take your life because that's not within his power. The next best option is to get you to waste your life. And so evil just looks like hurry. <laughs> evil just looks like misplaced priorities. Evil just looks like we're doing 14 things and we were really designed to do seven things. Evil just looks like I'm anxiety ridden and I'm not paying any attention to my emotional health. Like evil is just wrong priorities. Like, well, how can you cause that, call that evil? Because your life matters and your time matters and God's will for your life, it matters. So what you do with your life, it matters. And the enemy wants to do everything he can, not to get you necessarily to disbelieve in God, because for a lot of you, you're like, that's not gonna happen. But if I can move you in the direction where suddenly you choose wrong priorities that cause your life to be ineffective and you waste this little bit of time, that's a win. And so he's like, listen, Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And then verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish. Paul's always just straight up, don't be a fool. Like I could say it in different language, but just don't be a fool. Again, don't live like what you're doing today is not gonna matter tomorrow. Don't live like what you're giving attention to is not directing you. Do not live the way foolish people live that says, yes, I know this is probably not good. And if I gave myself advice or gave my friend advice, I would not advise them to go in the direction that I'm going in. And yet somehow I'm gonna pray, intend and believe my way over here, even though none of my priorities line up with my stated values. Paul's like, do not be a fool. <laughs> live with wisdom, but... He says this in verse 17, but instead, literally understand, which means this, you have got to create space to allow awareness to develop in your life. You gotta understand. You gotta know what's going on. You need to know where you're headed in terms of your relationship with God, your relationship with you, 
your relationship with other people in your life, understand what the Lord's will is, i.e., you need to do what you know to do. And I love this promise. When you do what you know to do, when you do what you can understand today, God will give you clarity tomorrow. Because come on, isn't this the big pushback a lot of times in regard to our schedule and what we prioritize is there. I, like, I don't know what's gonna happen if I don't do this. I don't, I'm not sure what's gonna happen if I say no. I'm a little bit afraid of my kids in this area and we need to keep up. And I might never admit that to you, but that's where I'm at. Or like, if I give this up, it's just gonna be too hard. Or I don't know if I have the discipline for this, but we have a hundred excuses about why we're afraid, why we can't, where it might end up. It's hard. And here's the promise that Paul gives, and this is really Jesus' invitation. You just do what you know to do today. You prioritize what you know to prioritize today. And if you do what you know to do, I will do what only I can do. And as you take steps to go, God, I trust you, I will increase your clarity. I will increase your wisdom about what I wanna do next. But all I'm asking you to do right now is to trust me today. Do what you know to do today. It's the Israelites on the bank of the Jordan. I'm not gonna part the waters till you take a step in. So do what you know right now. And if you do, God's going, I'll lead you. I'll be faithful. I'll show you the way. By the way, I want you to achieve as much as you do. I want you to be successful as much as you do. I want your kids to succeed as much as you do. I have a will and a plan and a destiny for your life, but you have got to trust me. And come on, you have enough information already to know this does not work. This is not how you want to live your life. So I think this is the question. What are wise priorities based on my preferred future? Like, what, have you ever asked this question and given enough time to really answer this question? What are wise priorities for me based on my preferred future? You know what I mean by preferred future? Like, that's where we get the idea of vision from. Like, every family, every individual, every company, every church, they should have a vision. And vision is really just that. It is a preferred picture of the future of ultimately, nothing's gonna be perfect in a sin-infested world, but I wanna follow Jesus. And there are things that I value for my relationship. There are things that I value. Let's just take off kind of the achievement and what we do side of it. There's things that I value long-term in terms of my emotional health, in terms, how, in terms of how I want my relationships to be characterized, in terms of what I want other people to say about me, in terms of where I wanna go and what, what I, I think of when I think of me in 10 years. But what is your preferred picture of your future? And then you've got to ask the question and you've gotta ask it specifically. What are wise priorities for me based on my preferred future, where I wanna end up? And again, wise is the question. Everybody gets away with, is it right or wrong? Well, there's a ton, ton of stuff that is right, but it is not right for you and what God's called you to. So not what is right, not what is wrong, not what do, what do other people do, not what is normal in our culture, but what is the wise thing for me to do based on my preferred future? And listen, it's gonna change at every season. What I'm doing now is not the same thing I did five years ago. What I'm doing now is not gonna be the same thing that God has for me five years from now. It's gonna be different if you're in college. It's gonna be different as a 14-year-old. It's gonna be different as a single mother. It's gonna be different. You're working a job on the front lines, working more hours than ever before. This is do what you know to do. Prioritize right now what you know to prioritize and God will lead you. God will direct you. But what? are wise priorities based on your preferred future. So here's the questions. Like, this is so simple. You didn't really need me to do this, but you need to hear it. What do you need to stop doing? Like, what do you need to stop doing? Just straight up, what do you need to stop doing? As you ask those questions, where, where is my pace leading me? And in some cases, what is propelling my pace? Because when you get an answer to that question, immediately your, your schedule clarifies. Because there's some things you look at to go, the only reason I'm doing this is to try to keep up with you. And so, no. But where do you just need some categorical no's of, I'm not going to do this any longer and it's gonna be hard, but no. Second thing is, where do, what do you need to do more of? Like, where do you need to say yes? And here's the thing. We get so seduced in ignoring these little priorities, but there is compounding value in right priorities and small decisions time over time. Like, listen, 
prioritizing my kids' spiritual health, praying with them, having dinner at the table. I miss that one or two times, not a big deal. But I know if I stay that course, there is compounding value in terms of what's gonna happen in 10 years with my relationship with my kids. So what do you need to say no to? What do you need to say yes to? Or what do you need to start doing? And then third question, maybe the most important, what do you need to start doing first? Like, what do you need to start doing? This is a clarifying question that for some of us, we've never really asked. What do I need to start doing first? This needs to be above and beyond everything else. And I'm just telling you, when you can answer that question and create accountability around it, it clarifies a bunch of no's for you. All of a sudden, some things come into focus to realize there's stuff that I shouldn't be doing. There's some things that we've said yes to and we shouldn't have said yes to, at least not for this season. And all of a sudden, you, become, you come up with some categorical no's to go. In this season of our life, as a retired person, as a person raising four kids, trying to finish my education, as a 27-year-old, like this is where I need to go and this is where the no's are. This is what I need to start doing. And here's what I need to start doing first to become the priority of my life. So just real quick, you know this already, but here's how this should look. And I'll just give you a couple examples for us. And this is, this is descriptive, not prescriptive. Meaning what I do is not necessarily what you should do. And my season of life is not your season of life. So just to give you an idea, like I have a wife and we've got four kids and they're eight and they're six and they're four and they're one. And let's just be honest for a second. Um, my three older ones, I, I love them right now. Um, my youngest one is out of control in a way that none of my other kids have been out of control. So this is not a part of my message, but like trying to get ready this morning. Like we're just trying to keep our junk together to make it to church so I can preach about Jesus because this dude is out of control. So that's where we're at in life and our priorities have to center around that. But here's some of the things that we do. Like in terms of our family, we've determined that that's gotta be a big rock. That's a foundational principle. And for a lot of you, you have as well, but you've stated it, you haven't prioritized it. So the couple of things that we do, and again, this is specific to me, um, we've had, we have some categorical no's. I will only be outside of the home so many nights a week. Generally, it's one, not that there's never an exception to that rule, which means I have to say no to a lot of things. I work hard, I'm very driven, I'm up early, I'm going, but when it comes to evening time, I wanna be home at the dinner table with my family, and that's a priority for me. A couple other things is, our kids only do one, and this is, this is gonna you know, not change, but it's a little different for us. It's harder for you if you got teenagers. One activity at a time is what we've determined for our kids. That's a categorical no. I don't care how great the opportunity is. If it extends us beyond that, it's just a no. And if it ever takes our kids out of consistent community or small group, it's a no. And that's not a big deal one, two, or three times. That is a big deal in terms of compounding value time over time, where all of a sudden you wake up and your kid's 14 and you're bringing him to a student pastor to go, can you help me? And you should do that if everything's on fire. But you should also start that when they're one, two, three, and four years old. Like move them into community. And anything that gets in the way of that is just a no for us. A couple other things, um, and this is maybe the biggest one. We say no to trying to please everybody. And I know that's simple. You've gotta nail that down. And I know it's different for all of us, so I'll just give you like where, what it is in my context. I, with, with our roles, we're constantly hit up. Can you do dinner? Can you do lunch with me? Can you have a coffee with me? Can you meet with me? Uh, not a day goes by, like literally. And, and so I wanna meet with and be as accessible to as many people as possible, but I've gotta make sure that I am prioritizing my life appropriately. So sometimes it's like, yes, I would love to in six weeks, I would love to, I will see you in April. That will, it'll be amazing. And I can't do evenings. I know that's very inconvenient, but I have other priorities. And, and listen, it's not that I'm not taking care of people. I have a staff to lead, people that I need to shepherd. And yes, there's emergencies that take priority sometimes, but overall it is, yes, I would love to meet with you. I can't until my kids are 18 or I can do it in eight weeks. And a lot of times that makes people really, really mad. But here's the thing, a couple things happen. And this happens in your context too. Somebody spends 10 years sowing in a wrong direction. And then on Saturday, they're like, can you fix my life? I can't. You can begin to sow your way in a new direction, but I cannot undo for you in a Saturday what you spent 10 years doing. 
and I love you. I don't mean, I, I love you, but that's just the reality of the situation. That's what wisdom says. And, and as much as you would like it, I can't be accessible to everybody in the world. And this is just real quick in my context, by the way, um, the church is a body, which means there's a lot of people who can pastor and counsel and lead and pray with. And my job is actually to equip people for the work of the ministry. And there's no way that I can be Jesus to a couple thousand people. And I'm not a good Jesus anyway, but we are the body of Christ. And so no, you can't meet with me for lunch all the time, but you can meet with somebody else in your context that can pour into your life and build you up in the faith. So again, whatever your context is, here's the thing I always come back to. And the more I prioritize this, the easier it is to say, no, I don't like hurting people's feelings, but it just is what it is because I know if I do too much of that, I will literally step outside of the will of God for my life. And I will undermine my leadership. I will hurt my marriage. I will undermine my kids. And I'm not gonna do this because this is the foundational priority of my life. And by the way, Jesus will honor that. So I don't know what it is in your context, but you have to decide that real quick example, and I'll move here. I'll spend the most time on this, but this is something I've I told this story before. I wanna tell it again because it was so um, pivotal in my life is my dad um, was a pastor and he was an incredibly busy man. He was, it was a small church, so you did everything. He did everything. He was unbelievably faithful. But when I got into, into high school, like I played sports and the thing that I will never forget about my dad is my dad, he maybe missed one or two. And I, I don't mean that as an over it may be one or two. My dad came to every game. And I know everybody can't do this, but he would rearrange stuff and rearrange meetings and he would be there at four o'clock and then they changed the game at the last minute and somehow he still found a way to be there. And I'll never forget one occasion where somebody on his staff got mad at him because they had a meeting schedule. They changed my game at the last minute and my dad's like, this is not an urgent meeting. We're gonna change this. Dude got upset. And then here's my dad's mic drop moment that absolutely stuck with me. I've never forgot. He just looked at this guy that was on his staff and said, hey, listen, um, there's a lot of people that can pastor there's a lot of people that can lead this meeting. In fact, one day somebody else will lead this meeting. My son only gets one dad. Peace. And he left. Now I'm pretty sure he didn't drop deuces, but like whatever it was, he's like, I'm not gonna do this. And I'm telling you, you want teachable moments with your kids. It's great what you tell them. It's more important what you show them. I have never forgotten that. And so you have to decide, I love this quote by Andy Stanley who leads our network of churches says this, do not trade what is unique to you for something that someone else will eventually do. Hey, there's a lot of things that have to be a priority in your life. You gotta go after it. God has a, a will for you. I, I get all of that, but listen, the only, let me just talk to parents for a second. The only unique role you are ever gonna have in life is parent to your kids. Everything else, somebody else will eventually do. Somebody's gonna be in your job. Somebody's gonna be doing your activities. Somebody will probably even live in your house. Somebody else is eventually gonna have your retirement. Everything else eventually is going to go away. In fact, you think you're amazing. I mean, come on. The moment I walk off of this stage and I'm done, everybody will forget me in two weeks. That is the nature of life. I'm comfortable with that. The only unique role you are ever gonna have is being a father to your kids, a mom to your kids, or a first wife to your spouse if you're still on the first one. Those are the only unique roles you are ever gonna have. Do not trade what is unique to you for something that someone else eventually is going to do. It's not worth it. Real quick. A couple other things real quick. Prioritizing emotional health. We'll talk about this next week is, is Sabbath for us is one of those things where there is at least a day we shut everything off. We're hard to get a hold of. We're just gonna enjoy each other, enjoy the kids. Another is counseling. Um, I went to a counseling appointment this last week, not because anything is in crisis. I do it to avoid crisis because I wanna make sure that my soul is constantly healthy in every season. Not saying you have to do that, but whatever it is for you, you have to understand that your priorities are leading your emotional health somewhere in the future. Another one is um, career education. And again, I think the misunderstanding is that what Jesus teaches is somehow an enemy to ambition. It's not. Paul accomplished more than we're ever gonna accomplish. Jesus got a lot done. This is not an enemy to that. It is, I want you to prioritize it appropriately. And Jesus is going, I can do more when you lean into your limits than you're ever gonna do by overextending your capacity. So go after it. But you have to recognize what priority of your life that's gonna have. I'll give you just one example. You have to create parameters on what you are gonna say no to when good opportunities come. 
Because again, you are not gonna get tripped up in a lot of cases because of some immorally, whatever. you're gonna be tripped up by some really good opportunities that redirects your priorities in a place that they should not be. One example is two years ago, I think, um, I just got done with the conversation with my wife and somebody else on staff and I was kind of prioritizing out what was gonna happen this next year and I made a declaration which is really hard for me and my personality and get it done and always progress, da, 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 that whole thing, that I'm not gonna take on any big initiatives for like a year. Just, I have to say no to everything. And as a church, we've transitioned two churches so far in our history and um, so there's been a lot of kind of big things that we pursued. Well, I made that, that was literally, this is no exaggeration. I was at a conference on Thursday. My wife and I had this conversation like, here's what this next season needs to look like for our family and leadership. And this is what always happens. Then on Tuesday, I get a call from a really good friend. Hey, would you take over this church to become a campus of your da, 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 da. And in any other season, I would have said, are you kidding me? This is God working in a miraculous way. Like this is his open door. And everything about it seemed like, yes, that is true. But I knew I knew that God had a different priority in this season and it was a good opportunity, but it was not right for our church. It wasn't right for my leadership. It wasn't right for personally where I was at in this season. And the only reason I ever said no to that, and by the way, before, like I've said yes to other things that were not in that rhythm and I just wanted to chase them, but that was the season to go, no, we're not gonna do this because this is not at the pace of what God has for my life in this season. You have got to determine where are your guardrails going to be? Because you will jump at every good opportunity and end up in a place that you don't wanna be. Real quick, um, your marriage, couple things. Again, this is just descriptive. You do whatever you wanna do. One of the things that we do is prioritize about three trips away a year. It's expensive, it's hard. You may not be able to do that, but you can figure out your kind of your own thing. Just my wife and I with four kids, we wanna make sure that we're intentionally compounding value over time so that by the time they finally leave the house, and gosh, that feels like a hundred years from now, like we will love being together and our marriage will be strong. We don't wanna just make it work. And I get the whole, like, and I've said it, and it was this way our first year, the marriage is so hard. I mean, kind of in season, it's not that hard. It's really not. You can prioritize in a direction that, that marriage is, it can be pretty fun. It can be pretty good, but it has to be prioritized. We don't spend a lot of time in the same room with technology in our faces. We're gonna force ourselves into communication. Um, another big one, and let me just talk about this first, is purchases. This appropriately should be a bigger rock for you. Um, purchases, that's why it's the bigger one. But, but here's the thing I wanna say about this that we never think about, is we always think about, can I afford it? Can I afford it? Can I afford it? That's a great question, and you should be able to afford it. But when you buy the boat, or get the dog, or get some goats, or like whatever your thing is, some of you know what I'm talking about, like whatever it is, you have to ask this question, not just what is the money cost, what is the time cost? Everything that you are purchasing has a time cost with it. Every time you upgrade, every time you get a new one that you've got to maintain and polish and do whatever, all of it is a time cost and it will take away from other things in your life. It's not that you shouldn't do it, but you better consider the cost. What is the time cost of everything in our life that we are consuming? And then this is unfortunate, I didn't mean this, this should have been a bigger rock, but then spiritually. Like th this has got to be one of the big rocks in our life. And can I just say this in love? For a lot of us, this is what Paul's talking about in terms of live with wisdom. We are prioritizing our life in the direction of spiritual unhealth. And we think magically because we love Jesus and intend differently that we're gonna end up in a different destination and we're not. We're gonna end up exactly where we're headed. And so you've gotta prioritize community. My, my biggest, like if I could just plead with you is to get into a community group. To it takes time. It's not that you don't have time. It's that you have got to reprioritize time and get with other people and do life with them and allow God to move through those relationships. It'll be one of the greatest gifts to your marriage and your parenting and what you're walking through in your singleness and what God has for you next. God always moves in the context of relationships every single time. You need to make, Justin already said it, this gathering a priority. You need to make sure you're, if you're outside of our state, you need to gather some people together in your home, but you need to gather and you need to worship and you need to be around other brothers and sisters in Christ. It has to be the priority of your life. 
Like if you wanna grow spiritually, you gotta find some things that fill you. Reading the scripture, prayer, but it's not just that. For some of you, you're wired differently. Actually, nature is one of the things that connects you with God. You've got to prioritize some things that are gonna lead you in the direction of spiritual health. So what, what are your priorities? And here's how it works. You know this, but just to give you a visual. Then, all of this stuff... comes next. And I'm going to live at my limits because this is what I was designed for. And anxiety ridden and overwhelmed and I can never get it all done and I'm always in a hurry. As normal as that is in culture, you were not created for that. We were not created for that. And can I just say this to you? It's amazing that we don't have time sometimes for the communication necessary in our marriage. We don't have time for counseling. We don't have time to get our kids what we need. We should have paid attention to that when they were 11. We don't have time, we don't have time. Here's the thing that's always astonishing to me. It is amazing how we find the time when everything hits the fan. And then you're not going to counseling every month. You're trying to do counseling twice a week to save something that's burning to the ground. And you're trying to get your kids somewhere to go, can you fix, can you fix, can you fix? Because you have misprioritized for the last 17 years. And God can do a miracle on that. Do not lose hope. But for some of you who are on the front end, now is the time because here's what you know about you. Eventually, you will find the time. And you'll find it in emergency crisis mode when you could have done it way before. And so listen, here's what the scripture says. And I just believe this. Jesus said it. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And what characterizes normal for a lot of us, we need to get to the place to hell with normal. That is not the life that Jesus has designed for me and it's not gonna be pain free. It's not gonna be problem free. It is hard, but I'm gonna at least say, God, I'm gonna run at what you've called me to run. I'm gonna run at the pace that you've designed for my life. I'm gonna lean into your will for me in this season and it's going to be hard, but this is the invitation. Jesus, to you, to us, come to me. And if you're not sure about the Jesus, Jesus thing, this is what Jesus is offering. Come to me, all you who are burdened, all you who are weary, all you who are heavy laden, and I, me, Jesus, it's a person. I will give you rest. And I'll tell you how that practically connects with your schedule because your schedule and the reprioritization of your life will play on every bit of insecurity and fear that you have. To say no, to let them down, to wade into the fear of what's gonna happen. Are we gonna measure up? Are we gonna fall behind? And in that ruthless prioritization around, this is what I believe that God has for me in this season. It is a declaration to say, God, I trust you. And you can do more with my limits than I'm ever gonna be able to do by over exceeding my capacity. And by the way, it is also an invitation because when you do anything that declares your trust in your heavenly father, your trust in Jesus as your savior, Jesus always moves in the direction of that trust. Read the New Testament. The thing that wows God is your faith and your trust to go, God, I'm gonna take you seriously. And here's the other thing the scripture talks about is that literally it is an invitation for the spirit of God to work in your life. And for some of you, the greatest obstacle to this is the word that you would come up to that you don't like to talk about is discipline. But here's what the scripture said is the primary byproduct of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Discipline. That literally as you say, God, I trust you. I'm gonna do what I know and then I'm gonna trust you to reveal what I don't know. It is an invitation for God to work. It is an invitation for the spirit of God. And it is an invitation for God literally to grow you in discipline to do exactly what God has called you to do. And I just wanna tell you, there is nothing that can get in the way of what Jesus has for your life and life to the full. Not any of your circumstances, not what you're walking through right now, not your insecurity, not your lack of discipline, not what other people have done to you, not what feels like impossible in our culture. When Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the full, he did not stutter. It is for all people, all time. And the only thing that you have to do is move in my direction to go to hell with normal. This is what my life is gonna look like. God, lead 
lead me. I'm gonna discover what is the price of my pace because I wanna end up somewhere on purpose. I'm gonna ask the question, what's propelling my pace because I don't wanna live somebody else's race. What you've designed for me is good and it's better and that's where I wanna live my life. And I wanna choose wise priorities based on my preferred future because I'm going somewhere on purpose. And this is the reality. God has for you something better than you have for you. And he says to you, trust me, follow me, lean in to me. All you who are weary and burdened, I literally have come to planet earth to give you rest. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you so much for your grace. And I thank you for just the unbelievable amount of wisdom all throughout the scriptures that's been sitting there for 2000 years. I thank you for Paul. I thank you for preserving his words. And God, I just pray that you would give us wisdom to know what to do and then just courage to do it. And there in any area of trust or step of faith, the enemy's always gonna use every bit of insecurity on us. He's gonna use every bit of fear. He's gonna use every bit of trepidation. He's gonna try to sway us by the unknown of the future. I just pray that we'd have the confidence in you to just do what we know to do today and trust you that you're gonna give us increasing clarity for tomorrow. And it really is an invitation of trust because at the heart of how we live and at the heart of our lifestyle, it really does come down to, is your way better? And are we gonna trust that? Are you a God that holds out on us or is maximum pleasure, maximum freedom found under the canopy of your authority and about what you've designed for our life? I just pray for Jesus followers in this room and those listening all over that they would come to the conclusion that yes, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you in this area. And I pray for many maybe who feel like it's too late, you would breathe hope into that and you'd begin to bring restoration and miraculous healing in ways that they never thought possible. So do your thing. And we pray this in Jesus' incredible name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.